This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture that was previously read came from the prophet Jeremiah, the 29th chapter and the 11th verse. This is how it's recorded. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. On the banks of an icy river in a country called Bavaria, children were playing a game called Cowboys and Indians. Among them was a four-year-old boy who was sickly and frail, small for his age, and wore thick glasses. But although small, he played with determination and vigor until he tripped and fell over the bank into a thin sheet of ice. Being unable to swim, the little four-year-old boy was swept away downriver to certain death. Another five-year-old boy named Johann heard the screams and jumped into the water and pulled his playmate to safety. The whole town and the newspapers all praised Johann as a hero, and no one was surprised when later on in life, Johann became a priest. But saving that four-year-old boy from sudden death, from drowning, would actually end up being something that would haunt Johann for the rest of his life. Johann grew up to serve God, but the four-year-old boy that he saved became one of the most notorious monsters in all of human history. If Johann could have seen the future just before he jumped into the river to save that little boy, countless millions of people's lives could be saved. For the name of that four-year-old boy that he pulled from the river was Adolf Hitler. Every day, you and I make choices that in any given moment may appear and feel appropriate at that time, but unbeknownst to us can sometimes lead to disastrous outcomes. The old adage, if I knew then what I knew now, can plague us with so much regret that we're left stuck and paralyzed in our present, not realizing that tomorrow's regret is actually being decided right now. Many of us are looking at our current circumstances and have become so discouraged that we end up living lives that are empty and dead. And this happens sadly because we worry so much about yesterday's choices that we miss our today and end up sabotaging our tomorrows. Such is the case of Pastor Johann who wasted too much of his time living in what I have chosen to call and title today's message, the what if world. The what if world. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we invite your Holy Spirit into this space. Send, O oh God, the preacher. 
For there's someone somewhere, Lord, that is living in a place of regret. A place, oh God, where they believe that if things had just been different, their lives would have been better. Someone, oh God, somewhere is saying to themselves, why did I choose the things that I chose? Why couldn't things have turned out differently for me? And it is that person, oh God, to which this message is directed. Speak to their hearts, Spirit of the living God. And remind them, O oh Lord, that as the scripture tells us, you know the plans that you have for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and plans to give us a future. And so, Father, we invite your comforting presence through the power of your Holy Spirit to come now, Lord, and to soothe and to salve the wounds that have been created in so many minds, so many hearts, so many souls. For the truth of the matter is, Lord, you came that we may have life. And that we may have it more abundantly. So speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. For your children are listening. Here is a truth. You cannot change what happened yesterday. Let me say that again. You cannot change what happened yesterday. Now, that may seem to you and to many of you like a no-brainer, but if I were able to take a poll of all of you that might be listening to this message right now, I could guarantee you that the biggest thing that many of you are concerned with right now has a lot to do with something that has already happened in your lives. In other words, you are preoccupied with thinking about the alternative to a decision you made yesterday that you wish you could take back. You know what I mean. Many, many of you are worried or filled with regret and bitterness for some of the consequences that you are reaping right now, today, in this moment. Why? Because you thought he or she loved you and would change. You, you are reaping today the consequences of regret because you wasted all that time in a relationship with him or her that went nowhere. You, you should have listened when you were told that something was not right with him or her. You, you thought you could get by without completing your education or you thought that bearing the child or having more children would make him stay. Am I talking to someone yet? You thought you could handle one hit. Or maybe, just maybe, you thought you could get away with you fill in the blank. Now this is not to say that you're not also worried about something coming up in the future. But I would be willing to argue that the things that mostly keep you up at night has more to do with something that you cannot change. And church, while you can often control your actions right now, you cannot always determine the outcome of those actions. And the fact is, many of you still fret about what happened in the past. So today, you live a life of worry in the what-if world. The what-if world is a strange place because unlike your home or your job or your school or anywhere that you are physically located, the what-if world actually takes place in your mind. It, it is in your mind where you do all the thinking and, and the, all of the source of your cognitive abilities actually function. The mind, which like your will and your emotions, is an integral part of your soul and is the place where you're able to process information that comes to you from your body 
and from your spirits. It is in your mind that you reflect on the things that you see, hear, touch, smell, and taste. And together with your emotions and your will, you try to make sense of the world and everything around you. It is the devil's playground, I tell you. It is that place of your mind. And many of you are stuck in the what-if world. And depending on the type of information that you are feeding your mind and your will, it actually will determine the kind of peace that you will have. I know you can all relate to worrying about something so much that you cannot sleep only to find out that the thing that you were actually worried about didn't even happen. The fact that you were worried about it meant that you were thinking about an outcome that was, like I said before, out of your control. And worrying about it and fretting over it could not, did not, will not change one thing about it. What did I tell you? Brothers and sisters, you cannot change what happened Yesterday, this is why the Apostle Paul then says to us in the book of Philippians, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What the Apostle Paul is helping us to see is that because your mind is the place where the devil has an opportunity to influence you and to make you stuck in the what-if world, he's saying, think on the things that will keep you out of the what-if world. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the point is, the what-if world is all in your mind. And because it is in your mind, that is the place where you need to fight the battle. The battle is not fought with you trying to change your yesterday, which cannot and will not work. The battle is fought with you and I renewing our mind. And the Apostle Paul reminds us, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way to renew your mind is to change the way you think. And how do you change the way you think, pastor? You have to do what? Take in new information. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever the what-if world seems to be telling you, whatever regret, whatever worry, whatever fear, whatever anxiety, whatever pain you might be feeling emotionally about what you cannot change, the only way that you're going to get out of that space is to take in new information because the new information has to tell you something and it has a clue about what your tomorrow could be. It is the place of hope. It is a place of possibility. And the new information is the, is the answer to your life's worry, your regrets, your bitterness, and your anxiety. And brothers and sisters, just to be clear, if you want to free yourself from trying to take back something that can never change, the answer lies in new information. So pastor, what new information do I need to know? Glad you ask. Look at a text. For I know 
the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, this is a very famous passage of scripture that, dare I say, many of you in the faith community knows and we've read it and we've, we can recite it without even looking at it. But the fact of the matter is, it is actually an excerpt from a letter that Jeremiah the prophet wrote to those people who were surviving the, the, the exile in Babylon. He was writing a letter to the elders and the priests and the prophets and all the people that were carried away from Jerusalem into Babylonian captivity. He was literally writing this letter and giving this kind of encouraging new information to a people that had every reason to believe that the what-if world was where they were always going to be. They could not see their way out of it. In those days, Jewish life meant living in the constant presence of God, which was always accessible at the temple. As far as the Jewish people were concerned, every time they needed a little uplift in their spirit, they would make that pilgrimage all the way up to the temple in Jerusalem, knowing that the presence of God would be there. But now they can't. Now they are not able to go to the temple. They have lost everything. They have no hope. They have nothing. And what these people were doing is that they saw the destruction of the temple and they felt in their spirit that this was it. It was a tremendous shock to them. It was trauma to them. And brothers and sisters, let me be clear. Back in those days, there is nothing more spiritual than going up to the temple to worship, to see the priests in all their regalia. It is the reason why we are so brokenhearted that we couldn't even make it to the general conference to see all of its regalia and glory and the appointment of bishops and elections and all of these things that fills our heart because we know that God was there and God was with us. Now the land, the temple, God's presence, all of it gone. It's no wonder why the psalmist in the 137th Psalm wrote these words. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, there we wept when we remembered Zion. It says, we hanged our harps on the willows in the midst thereof. For there they carried us away in captivity and required of us a song. And they wanted us to sing. And they said to us, sing us one of those songs of Zion. But the people in all their despair, they respond, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The message here is that the Jewish people were not only taken away from their home, but they were taken away from their comfort zone, their place of security, their refuge. They were literally taken away from their God. And so they lamented and they cried about it. They cried about what it used to be like. They cried about how good it was, how they missed their home. And for you and I, we can understand it. We know we used to call this the good old days, many of us. And what do we know about the good old days? It was a time where summers seemed endless. I remember growing up in Jamaica, we used to drink water from the garden hose. And guess what? We ain't die. I, I remember we used to also share soft drink, one soft drink with four friends on our mile. And we ain't catch the cooties. We, we ate cupcakes, bread and butter, drank soda pop, all kinds of sugar. And we never gained weight because we spent so much time outside playing the good old days. We, 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 we would leave home early in the morning and play until the 
got so dark, but you had to be home when the street lights came on. You know what I'm talking about. We fell out of trees, and we scuffed our knees, and broke bones, and teeth, and all kinds of things, and nobody filed a lawsuit. We rode bikes, walked to friends' house, knocked on the doors, and rang their bells, and sometimes just really walked right in to our friend's house. It was a different time. My point is, it was the good old days. It was wonderful. But as nostalgic as it might sound, brothers and sisters, we are never going back. While the Jewish people lamented and they wailed of what used to be, while they were regretting their present circumstances, while they were stuck in the what-if world, they needed to think differently. So it is for you and me today, especially in light of a COVID-19 pandemic. And if we're not careful, we might just find ourselves living in the what-if world, regretting and worrying about all kinds of things that we used to have and, re and reflecting on what it was like when we did not have to wear masks all the time and wherever we went. We could remember face-to-face -face meetings with family, friends, and coworkers when we didn't have to socially distance and wash our hands 10,000 times per day. But that's a strange land. It is the what-if world. And unlike those Jews in Babylon, we need not be wondering because if there is anything that you and I know about God, if there is anything that we can testify about God, is that he knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper us. Plans to give us hope. Plans to give us a future. That's how you deal with the what-if world. It is taking in information based on what God has said about your life and mine. It is about believing what he has said and you not leaning to your own understanding. The renewing of your mind and the taking in of new information is based solely, solely on having faith in a God that already declared that he has a plan for you. And if God has a plan for you, then what this means, quite simply, brothers and sisters, is that you can't mess it up. Sure, you can make some poor choice thinking that he or she loved you and would change. Sure, you can think that you wasted all your time in that relationship that went nowhere. Sure, you should have listened when you were told that something was not right with him or her. Sure, you thought you could get by without completing your education. Sure, you thought all kinds of things. And whatever your what could have been has been. My brothers and my sisters, the truth of the matter is you're still here. You're still here right now. And if you're still here, then it means that what the devil may have done and with your poor choices did not work because God still has a plan for you. And I'm telling you right now, my Bible tells me that no matter what choices I make and no matter how difficult it may seem for me right now in my circumstances because of the things that I have done that I cannot take back, my Bible tells me that all things work together for the good and for those that love God and those who are called according to his purpose and his plan for you and for me. So maybe today you find that you are filled with regrets and bitterness for some of the painful consequences that you're reaping from some of your choices yesterday. 
Or maybe you find that you hesitate even right now to make decisions today for fear of how things might play out tomorrow. Well then, here's what I know about God. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And because this is true, he already has a lock on your beginning and on your ending. And, and, and so when you become laden down with all of the pain that comes with living in an exile world of the what-if world, you need to take in new information that says God is and always will be in control. You need to take in new information that says lean not to your own understanding because you are not God. And you need to know that God has a plan for your life. It's as simple as that. You make your choices. Your choices do not make you. And while I can agree that sometimes our decisions may seem good in the moment, yet have disastrous results, just like Reverend Johann's regret for saving young Adolf Hitler's life. On the flip side, so too does what may seem to you like it was a bad decision for you could have turned out to be something wonderful. What I'm saying is whether you do good or whether you do bad doesn't change the fact that God is sovereign and that God is in control and that God in his omnipotence, in his omnipresence, in his omniscience, in all of his immutability, God is still God. No matter how you might feel about yourself. So your good decisions can lead to bad results. Yes. And your bad decisions can lead to good results. So pastor, what does that mean? And why are you telling me all of this? Well, I never try to tell you something without giving you some proof. So clearly, we could see in the case of Reverend Johann, when he pulled four-year-old Adolf Hitler out of the water, he didn't know that that one decision could have left to six million people being gassed and burned and killed. He couldn't know. He couldn't know, possibly know. And living his entire life serving people right now is not going to make up for that life of regret. You can't undo what was done, ever. So that is the story for many of us. But for most of us, it wasn't that we made a good decision that led to something bad. For many of us, it's that we made a bad decision that might now, we believe, could possibly have led to something good. And how does that work, Pastor? Well, you see, I, 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 there was a man that made what he thought was a bad decision when he prayed in a garden called Gethsemane. In that garden, he was so troubled that he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he gathered himself and he made a decision. And the decision was simply this, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will 
be done. You see, this decision, which was a bad decision for Jesus, it actually caused him to end up being scourged. It caused him to be spat upon. It caused him to be beaten. It forced him to carry a cross and bear its shame. This decision, this bad decision got him nailed to a rugged cross, there to be pierced, there to bleed, and there to die. He made a bad decision for himself. Oh, but three days later, he rose from the grave with all power and authority in his hands for what the devil had meant for evil. God had turned around for your good and for mine. So the bottom line, brothers and sisters, is that if your decision was good and it leads to what seems like a disaster for you, or if your decision was poor and it leads to something good, take heart in knowing that all you need to do is your very best and leave the outcome and leave the results to God. Why? Why? Because he knows the plans he has for you. Because he has declared that his plan is to prosper you. And because his plans are not ever to harm you or me, but instead to give us hope and a future. Wherever you are right now, however stuck you might feel in the what if world, what if this or what if that, what I'm saying is the only what if you need to be worried about today is what if I am not saved. That's the only what if that you need to worry about. For everything else, God's plan will always prosper you. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.